It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Sharks Audio Network. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. For me personally, I owe a lot to him. He drafted me in 2007, signed me to uh, it's four contracts now. Um, a lot of time I spent talking to Doug. He uh, He's helped me a lot, you know, personally, uh, hockey-wise. He's always been in my corner, so I'm grateful for time that I got to spend with him. Uh, he's a Hall of Fame player. He's an incredible general manager. We had a lot of good years here. Uh, definitely going to miss him. I know, um, you know, hopefully see him down the road here and, and talk to him and, um, and all that. Um, but, you know, happy that uh, he's taking steps to, you know, get to where he needs to be and uh, doing what's best for himself and his family. And, um, you know, that's really all that, you uh, that anyone in that room can hope for. Hello, everyone, and welcome as we react to the news of Doug Wilson stepping down as general manager of the San Jose Sharks. After 19 years at the helm, he's been out since November 26th due to medical reasons, and he is stepping down for good, citing the need to focus on his health. He says, I want to thank everyone who has reached out during my leave of absence. While I have made great progress over the last several months, I feel it is in the best interest of the organization and myself to step down from my current duties and focus on my health and full recovery. I look forward to continuing my career in the NHL in the future. And for Doug Wilson, that's all we know for now. Doug Wilson's time as the general manager of the San Jose Sharks was rather remarkable. A span of 19 years in which the Sharks were contending for a cup more often than not. In those 19 years, 14 times the Sharks made the Stanley Cup playoffs. They advanced to the conference final five times and made it to the 2016 Stanley Cup final. The Sharks' record under Wilson, 760, 468, 151, and 12 ties. Only the Pittsburgh Penguins with 768 and Boston Bruins, 762, have more wins during that time. We are going to hear from interim general manager Joe Will and Sharks president Jonathan Becker later in this program, but I wanted to start out with Dan Rusinowski, the longtime radio play-by-play announcer for the San Jose Sharks. Dan, like Doug Wilson, is a figure who has literally seen it all with the San Jose Sharks. Even though Doug Wilson took a couple years away from the franchise before returning after his playing career ended, Ruzi has seen it all, and I thought there was no one better to give the perspective of what Wilson has meant to this franchise than one Dan Rusinowski. You know, Dan, stunning news this morning with Doug Wilson stepping down from his role as GM. And, you know, my first reaction is uh, a kid who was nine years old when the Sharks were starting up and when they acquired Wilson, it was, he was a big deal. You know, we didn't have hockey in the Bay Area, but 
I knew who Doug Wilson was. My dad would bring home the national papers, of course, occasionally the Chicago Sun-Times. And, you know, I'd read about the Blackhawks, and it was really exciting. And, you know, now, for the first time, we talk about life after Doug Wilson for the Sharks. It's really stunning. And, you know, I, I go back to those days and remember when he was acquired in that trade for Kerry Toporowski, he was bringing instant credibility to a brand new franchise. And a lot of young people who see how expansion has gone in the NHL these last few years don't understand perhaps how much more of a challenge it was for expansion teams back then. They didn't get the top young players on the team where they didn't get guys that could play in the NHL. Now they got guys that nobody really wanted, maybe players near the end of their careers respectively. And Doug was certainly on the back nine of his NHL career. When he joined the sharks, he played for the team for the two years at the cow palace, but he was somebody that brought uh, class Elan, uh, certainly great accomplishment and the understanding of what was needed for an organization to be successful. And I just think that that's the stamp that he's placed on this team. Even the years that he left the club after playing, he worked for the players association for a while and understood all of the uh, components of that side of the equation, and then came back to the organization here when Dean Lombardi put him in player development, as is the case with a couple of other uh, ex-Sharks that are here now. And I think that that Doug was someone who was interested in learning and, and making people better. And that was always his mantra, to make his teammates, to make the people around him better, to bring a sense of, of family culture to the organization. And uh, I, I just think he was a spectacular general manager. He was a great captain and he was somebody that people followed and he still continues to be that by the way. So um, those are some of the things that I think about. I'm, I'm sad that, that, that an era has come to an end, but what an era, think about it. Uh, 30 playoff series in the 19 years that he was here, a trip to the Stanley cup final, uh, several trips to the conference final, most recently in 2019 against St. Louis, the team that ended up winning the Stanley cup that year. And so a lot to hang our hats on here for, for Doug Wilson, uh, because he's somebody we should be tossing the hats out onto the ice as if uh, a hat trick were scored. He's somebody that um, is going to be a huge part of this organization's history forever. What amazes me is that in the modern sports era of which we exist, longevity like this essentially doesn't occur. I mean, this there there are no longer Connie Max out there and for Doug Wilson for 19 years to be at the helm of the Sharks and have such remarkable success to me Dan like that's a huge part of his legacy as is the fact that he was a part of so many league shattering trades Joe Thornton Dan Boyle Brent Burns Eric Carlson and those are just four of many when we think about the deadline and reverberations Doug Wilson was at the center he was never afraid to take a swing for the fences, to use a baseball axiom. He, he was somebody that uh, understood what his organization needed. And he always talked about this. He said, you know, I look at every move that I make, not only for the Sharks now, but for the future too. And that's exactly the way he operated. And it's one of the reasons why the Sharks have had such a long string of success, only missing the playoffs a couple of times. I know in recent years now, it's going to be uh, probably three years in a row as this season comes to a conclusion. We'll find out about that, uh, that it's happened first time in history of the team. But 
that's the process also that he's, he was thinking about the future. The fact that he's building with some of these younger players and getting them integrated into the lineup. It's a hard thing to do when you don't have the top two or three draft picks the way that the Sharks haven't had simply because they've been successful. So uh, it's a different type of, of, of building a franchise. And, and, and the Sharks, because of that work, are on their way to getting back to prominence. And they're going to build that way. I, I just think that that's another part of his legacy that should be remembered. If you think back to these these big moments, the acquisition of Joe Thornton or any of the other big moments that we talk about, um, well, is, is the Thornton one still that which you know goes above the rest? And really, I mean, if we think about the last 20 years of the NHL, that's right up there with any move that has been made. Well, nothing probably comes close to that in Sharks history, I would say. Uh, however, the acquisition of Brent Burns was another big piece that a lot of people criticized Doug for. Uh, they said, is Burns he a forward? Is he a defenseman? All of that other sort of uh, nonsense that was being discussed. Doug Wilson knew from that uh, time that he saw Brent Burns for the first time that this was a guy that could win the Norris Trophy, and he did. And I think that that was another huge acquisition. Same thing with the Eric Carlson deal in recent years. But, you know, those, those are just uh, some of the so-called bigger headline-type deals. It was some of the smaller ones that he made, too, uh, that, that brought the Sharks to more prominence, whether it was picking up Joe Pavelski, that very first draft that he had, you know, 205th overall. I know that that was largely the work of the scouting staff, but Doug had to make that final decision and, and go along with it. And these were all little things. He, he allowed his people to showcase their talents, to be what they were good at, and that made his organization better. So he wasn't going to micromanage the scouts. He wasn't going to micromanage the coaches. He was also very patient with those guys too and gave them all of the elements that they needed to be successful. We talk about culture so much when we talk about Doug Wilson, and obviously, you know, his family played a huge role in that, but I often wonder how much in his rookie season being taken in by Stan Makita and his family, you know, led Doug Wilson to have that same idea of how he's going to treat all of his players and is probably the biggest challenge for whoever comes in next to try and continue the way that Doug Wilson has made San Jose not just a place the players want to play, but a place where players want to stay. Well, you want an opinion on that? Just give Patrick Marlowe a call. Talk yeah. to Joe Thornton. Talk to Logan Couture, who's on the team now. Talk to Timo Meyer. These are guys that can answer that question uh, from a first-person position. And I'd say it, it's identical to what happened to Doug when he came to the Chicago Blackhawks and knew that uh, the the one of the veteran legends of the game and Stan Makita was not only an early roommate of his, but somebody that was there for him and, and wanted to support him and make him successful. And I think that that's reverberated through the organization for several decades now, and it will continue to reverberate because of the tradition that's been set up here. The Sharks organization is one of the tops in the business. And you know what? Uh, San Jose is one of the places that everybody wants to wants to live in. And, you know, that's a place where everybody wants to be. And, and I think that that because it's a destination in the NHL, it will continue to be that as long as the culture continues, which it will. Well, you and I have experienced it firsthand at very busy points in the Sharks timeline where Doug has made time to sit down with uh, either myself or with you. He's he understands the importance of dealing with, you know, a microphone being shoved in his face. Uh, it's true, but he also sought 
input from people such as ourselves about a variety of topics, whether mm -hmm. it was hockey or whether it was, um, you know, a young man growing up or whether it was, uh, you know, something else that was going on in life. He, he wasn't just a one dimensional hockey person, although he was totally focused on that as the general manager of this team. But he was also somebody that uh, that deserves a lot of respect for his his moral character and somebody that wanted to lead in that direction and 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 teach a lot of young people uh some of the great shall we say values that that the best hockey players have to have in order to be a champion and the you know the real sad part is that the sharks never did win the stanley cup while he he was the general manager here but boy i'll tell you what there are about uh, 25 to 30 other teams that would kill for the record that the sharks have had over these years your final thoughts now as you've had more time to process this news over the last, oh, about four and a half hours. I'll tell you what, I'm only starting to think about all of my thoughts. Um, I respect Doug Wilson at, at the very highest level. He's a friend. He's a business colleague. He's a mentor. He's someone that I uh, look up to immeasurably. And I, I think that um, this is going to take a while to have it all sink in, to be honest with you. It's going to be uh, interesting to see how the Sharks organization develops. But because of the, the basic building blocks that he inserted with the team, there's absolutely no doubt that uh, the next general manager of the Sharks will find an organization in great hands. And the process will continue to get the club back to becoming a contender for the Stanley Cup. And uh, I, I think that Doug Wilson is not only a Hall of Fame hockey player, he's a Hall of Fame person, a great man and uh, somebody that I'm going to cherish my friendship with for the rest of my life. Dan, I appreciate your thoughts as always. I know you've got a game to get ready for, so I will let you do that. Have a great call and I'll see you later tonight. Thanks, Ted. Of course, that was the voice of the Sharks, Dan Rusinowski. I wanted to get into some of the reaction from the players and the coaching staff today. Bob Bugner uh, gave his initial reaction when meeting with the media this morning. You know, sort of bittersweet. I think that, uh, um, you know, I just heard the news myself at 930 and uh, um, had no idea this was going on today. Um, so I guess it's a little bit of, uh, I think, um, a little stunning news, I guess. Um, Doug means a lot to me personally. Um, you know, I know he's uh, what he's done with this organization and, and, and uh, you know, his legacy, um, you know, is, is uh, tough to compare. I think that, uh, um, you know, a lot of people in that dressing room, including myself, have a lot to be thankful to Doug for. And, uh, um, you know, it's, a, I guess, a changing of the guard. And, uh, you know, we're trying to get our head around that still. But, uh, um, you know, I, I think today, if anything, after this announcement that we, uh, for me anyway, personally, I, I, I think of this as, you know, sort of celebrating Doug's legacy and what he's done here as, uh, as a player, um, you know, as part of uh, management, as a general manager, um, the success that he's brought to this organization. And really, he's, he's you know, I think if there's one name you could think that's built this uh, uh, franchise from the, from the, um, you know, from the bottom up, it's Doug. And, uh, you know, he's had great support from ownership over the years. And, uh, um, you know, so it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a shock and a stunner. And, uh, um, you know, the good thing is, is that, uh, um, what I'd like to say to him personally is just is to wish him all the best and thank him, um, for everything that he's done for me. And, and, uh, you know, and, and hopefully his road to recovery is, is, is a healthy one and a happy one, really. And one of the consistent talking points with everyone talking about Doug was the relationship they had with him. 
Brent Burns. Yeah, uh, I, had, I had a little bit of a relationship with him uh, before that, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was obviously that was a crazy time too for me when I I got traded here, draft in Minnesota. Um, you know, a lot going on there. I, uh, my son was born four days before that too, so we we were still still in the hospital with him and um yeah they were just just great i mean um everybody was obviously there too so it's kind of like you get to meet everybody from the organization right away um you know rosemary just helping us out with everything we were in shambles at the time um yeah it was great with with doug i had a little bit of relationship before so it was a little bit more of a, a comfort and that was, that was a big help and and you know that just continued on from there and um you know, obviously there was, you know, with the position he played and um, the communication and everything, it, it, he's he's helped me through a lot. So it's it's you no know, bittersweet. Obviously, it's a it's it's about more than the hockey side of it and 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 getting things right. And um, but it'll be it'll be tough uh, to not have him around and and to have the help. Tomas Hurdle weighed in on that relationship. Yeah, if, uh, you know, it's always. You know him for nine years, actually even longer if you draft here, you know, for 10 years. It's a long time and, you know, you see him always around it and, you know, and the first first time when we heard it, you know, in, I don't know, it was like September, you know, he he has to step away because his health is always concerned, you know, and, and always, you know, you don't see anybody have bad health, you know, and especially when somebody is so close to you you know it's not some random people you know it's some it's doug who was like you know part of our you know big family here and 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 so you wonder how he's doing you know hopefully he's fine and and even if it's not can go back to the hockey just wishing you know hopefully the health and he can do whatever he wants you know especially you know with his you know kids and and grandkids and just you know have a good great time there but it's always you know wonder what how's his health the captain logan couture yeah i think you know a lot of people don't you think athletes you don't think you know they're they're people too and they have feelings and, and all that and you know everyone goes through personal things in their lives and um you know doug has always been uh a guy that reaches out and wants to help that's, that's his biggest you know thing was he wants to to give you you know an opportunity to do what you love to do but he also is going to be there to help you um whether it's hockey wise or or in your own personal life and um you know, everyone has their own shit that they deal with. And Doug was always a guy that, uh, like I said, he was in my corner. He was someone that I could talk to regardless of, of what it was about. And, um, you know, he's, he, uh, like I said, Hall of Fame player and just a great person. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's a sad day. Um, but we're happy that, uh, you know, he's taking the steps to, to do what he needs to do. And head coach Bob Bugner talked about his relationship with Doug and the background between him and his time with San Jose and Pete DeBoer and how that all worked together. Yeah, Doug's a guy that, uh, um, you know, through Pete reached out to me um, while I was still back in junior. And, and even though Pete and I had a relationship, and we knew each other growing up, um, you know, um, I, Doug was a big part of that decision. And uh, um, he was the first guy I talked to. Um you know, to sort of ask me where I was at to come here with Pete. And, uh, um, you know, I just felt that there was an instant uh, uh, connection with Doug and I. I think that uh, um, we see things a lot uh, similar. I think that, uh, uh, and that's that, it's that personal touch with the player. It's the, uh, 
um, connection you make with the player. And I think that's what Doug was great at is making a connection with the player, you know, and, and, and uh, at the end of it, I remember when I had the opportunity to go to Florida and, and, and Doug promised me if there was ever a, a head job out there that, uh, um, you know, he'd be a hundred percent behind me, regardless if he thought losing me was going to be, uh, um, you know, a negative thing for Pete and his staff. And, uh, and he did, he was true to his word. And, uh, um, you know, he's a big part of me getting hired in Florida. Um, and then the minute I got uh, let go in Florida, he was one of the first people I talked to about possibly coming back here the following season. And, uh, you know, so there's a, um, there's a loyalty there. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, you know, working for Doug was a very easy thing because, uh, um, you know, he had a direction and, and he was such a, uh, a master for me of, of, uh, um, sticking to what he believed in and, uh, um, you know, making sure everybody around, uh, around him had no excuses and everything at their disposable, every tool they needed to be successful. And he supported people in, in the right ways. And that's, and, and that just not at our level of the staff level, but even the players. So, um, you know, that's sort of what Doug means to me. To talk more about Doug Wilson's legacy as the San Jose Sharks general manager and everything he did during the 19 years in that position, we are now joined by one of the great minds in the hockey media landscape, Pierre Lebrun of TSN and The Athletic. Pierre, A, how are you doing? And B, what were your initial reactions to this news when it broke? Yeah, I, I certainly did not see it coming in the moment. Um uh, although I think you would agree, we were all wondering what might come once the Shark season ended, right? As far as, you know, would Doug Wilson return, uh, you know, depending on his health or or what did he have in mind? And I think we got our answer. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things that crosses my mind. I mean, number one, 19 seasons at the helm of a franchise that, for the most part, was always in the mix, which is... Uh, you know, which is saying something, especially in the salary cap era. So difficult to keep taking a swing at things, and uh, there's only a few franchises that have done it for that period of time, and San Jose is one of them. And I get it. Listen, there are certainly people that are going to point out that they didn't ultimately win a Stanley Cup during Doug Wilson's time as GM, and, and that's a legitimate point. Um, but to have been uh, a, a playoff team, a team that went to so many conference finals and the Stanley Cup final, and I believe the second most playoff games played only other than Pittsburgh mm-hmm. during those 19 years, speaks to sort of the continued um, um, you know, uh, effect of Doug Wilson keeping a contender together for years and years and years. Very difficult to do. I, mean, I don't think you're going to see that very, very often. No, no, I agree as well. It's, I mean, in in the modern sports landscape, just since the year 2000, longevity is not what the sports world is known for, except for a few, you know, key figures. And, you know, it's not like it's even in one sport. It's like there's Tom Brady and everybody else in the NHL. And it's like there's not a lot of long-lived executives in any sport. Um, what What is... When you, when you think about Doug Wilson and everything he did as the general manager of the Shark, do you think more about that willingness to always try and bring in a you know a Dan Boyle or make the move for an Eric Carlson or you know any one of the number of trades he's associated with, or do you think he changed everything with that acquisition of Jumbo and that when he got Thornton, that was what allowed him to have that sustained run of success? Yeah, I think that set the tempo. Like, I, like I think when first of all, go back and and remember how the Sharks got Joe Thornton. No one had a, a clue. First of all, that the Bruins were were genuinely shopping him. I mean, one of the 
stories that came out after that deal was how many teams wished they had been in on it <laughs> and that they just didn't, didn't, didn't get the chance to bid on, on, on Joe Thornton. And, and you know, that just goes short. Doug Wilson was stealth-like in his ability to get in with Boston and, and find a way to, to make a deal work. And for, for me, from that point on, the Sharks were taking swings all the time when they could. And you mentioned some of the names, but whenever an important player was made available, I used to always say to my colleagues, I guarantee you the Sharks are in there because that, that's what the Sharks did for so many years when they had a shot at, 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 a, at, a, at a difference maker. And, you know, Danville is a great example. Tampa was, was, was making changes and it was happening fast. And boy, isn't it San Jose that, that gets in there with Dan Boyle. Um, and so, you know, I, I think, I mean, there are a lot of memories for me of those 19 years. I remember being at the shark tank the night that the sharks beat St. Louis to go to the Stanley cup final in 16 and just, uh, the roar of the crowd and that moment finally happening and thinking, man, you know, Doug Wilson's put in a lot of years for this to happen in this very moment. And, uh, that was a special night, but you know, the other thing I would say is that you talk to players who played for the sharks is the way Doug Wilson uh, treated the players with class. And, and you know, I remember the year that Michael Hanzus was the pending UFA and the Sharks were having sort of an off year. And, you know, I'm sure that Doug Wilson could have put Michael Hanzus in a lot of different places, but Hanzus and his agent had told Doug Wilson, you know, I'd like to end up in Chicago. Chicago looks like a good bet to go all the way. And, and that's where he put him. And that's what he tried to do with a lot of uh, guys at the end of their tenure in San Jose. So... Um, you know, I, I just think the way that Doug Wilson handled himself and and treated people in and around the Sharks organization speaks volumes about his character. It was amazing in talking to so many people from around the hockey world when he was going into the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame in the winter last year. You know, we talked to former broadcasters, former coaches, uh, former teammates. I mean, you, you would think that a a big name defenseman who, um, you know, intentionally or not put a hard puck into a lot of guys from the blue line that he might've created <laughs> a couple of enemies over the years, but he didn't. And I mean, that's, what's so amazing to me is like you said, he was always in on those deals. It was like, everybody knew that Doug Wilson was going to be in on those. And it's not like it stopped anybody from doing business with him either. I mean, the guy legitimately seems like he has friends everywhere. I don't know that I've ever heard anyone say anything negative about it. And, and, and some of my favorite stories about Doug Wilson are even the ones that he didn't get done, but just the fact learning after the fact that he was in on it, I'll give you a great one. I'm sure you heard this one, but the summer that Steven Stamkos uh, held a very public, uh, uh, very public meetings, well, public in the sense that we knew he was talking to teams, but not public in terms of who he was talking to exactly. Um, he, he ultimately re-signed with Tampa Bay, of course, but uh, we we knew from reporting in the actual time that he was meeting with his hometown Maple Leafs, of course, met with the Montreal Canadiens, met with the Red Wings, who were still a, a long-time perennial contender at the time, and met with the Buffalo Sabres, who offered him a lot of money. But I remember at the time being on TSN and saying, and he also met with a fifth mystery team that at this point we can't pinpoint. And about three days later, yeah, it was San Jose. <laughs> Doug Wilson was in there trying, trying to lure, trying to lure Steve Samkos, and uh, and that's him, right? I, I mean, that's San Jose, and uh, you know he tried on John Tavares as well. And, and man, if I'm a Sharks fan, I, all those years I just love the fact that my GM was trying to get in on that action. 
I've had a lot of discussions with a lot of people, um, you know, just in sports fans in general, it's not just hockey minds. And you talk about the job of a GM and, you know, in the Bay area, we also have Billy Bean with the Oakland athletics who, um, you know, has done things very, very, you know, by being forced to, you know, he utilized Moneyball and he put together a lot of great teams. And, you know, if we make a poor comparison, but an apt one, I guess right now, it's that he too came up short and it's just, you know, that, that people hold that, oh, they didn't win a cup. It's like, you can do everything right, quote unquote, and always come up with the same answer. Like, I can't point to a specific Sharks team that made a, a deep run and say, oh, well, this failed because Doug Wilson did X, Y, and Z. It's like, no, it, it happens on the ice. It's unfortunate that it doesn't yeah. happen your way. But, you know, I don't, and obviously I know who signs my checks, but at the same time, I didn't always work for the Sharks. And I wasn't always saying, well, this is where they aired. It's like, you don't put together a team that's in the mix every year by accident. Yeah, and listen, I mean, it's not like Doug Wilson always batted a 1,000. No one does, and, you know, you can certainly, if, if you're going to criticize, should the Sharks have pushed this window as long as they did before finally starting to get younger, you know, should they have signed Eric Carlson? Of course there are, of course there are things you're going to look back on, like any team. Um, but, you know, not every team gets to win, and, and you know, uh, the all-time winningest GM in NHL history in terms of games won is that David Boyle, who's not won a cup, but... No one second guesses the fact that he's a hockey hall of famer, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, all, all you can do is put your team year after year in a position where you got a chance. And David Coyle's done that over the years in Washington and in Nashville. And absolutely, Doug Wilson. I mean, how many conference finals and, and trip to the Cup final and playoff rounds? And the idea is, is is to give your team a chance year after year, and that's what San Jose's had. And and again, the fact that. The Sharks under Doug Wilson never had the drawn out, what I call the the uh, tank of Palooza, where you lose on purpose and, <laughs> and you're and you're and you're lost in the wilderness for five six years because you're, you're you're trying to land a generational player at the top of the draft. Sharks have never done that, and and I think to be honest, and they probably never come out and say it, but you know the market way better than me. I don't know if they feel they can, and I think they feel the need to try and stay competitive as long as they can and year in and year out, but. But it, it also makes it more daunting, is what I'm saying. It makes it more challenging to try and compete and have that longevity if having that drawn-out full rebuild isn't on the table for it. Again, that was Pierre Lebrun of The Athletic and TSN joining us here on the Sharks Audio Network. There was more of that interview where we talked more about what the next steps were for the Sharks in terms of their GM search. If you'd like to hear that aspect of it, be sure to check out Game 70, the build-up versus Calgary as part of the Sharks Hockey Digest podcast. We also heard from now interim GM Joe Will and Sharks president Jonathan Becker earlier today. Uh, Becker gave an opening statement just to keep everyone abreast of what is happening now that Doug Wilson has stepped down. Obviously, this is a sad day and the end of a milestone, but it's also a chance to acknowledge and celebrate Doug Wilson's incredible legacy. That legacy is probably most obvious on the ice, uh, a period of almost 19 years of sustained success. Many of you know the amazing statistics from the third most regular season wins to the second most playoff series wins. I won't try to go through all of them. They're just too numerous to repeat, but that is clearly the most successful run in our franchise history and the envy of many other franchises as well. But his impact goes beyond just the ice. His impact impacts all of us in the organization from the class act he was, to how he treated everybody else, to the culture that he built into this organization, 
to how active he was into the San Jose community. His fingerprints are all over Shark Sports and Entertainment, and uh, we're appreciative and really honored by all that he did. When the time is right, uh, it's a little bit early to talk about the future, but assuming Doug becomes open to it in the future and the time is right, uh, we'd be happy to have a conversation about him coming back and helping the organization in some way, but uh, that's a conversation for another day. Next up from Becker, he made it official that Joe Will is the interim GM. Also, uh, obviously, as of today, we're formalizing Joe Will's role as interim general manager. Thank you, Joe, for everything you've done over the last couple of months. Uh, the organization's been in fantastic hands, and it's been some difficult challenges over the last couple of months, and you've really come through. Essentially, we're formalizing what's been the de facto case for the last five or six months as well. So thank you, Joe, and look forward for all the things that you'll do over the, over the next period as well. Next from Becker was that the search is on. Between Hasso, Joe, and myself, we're starting immediately a search for the next general manager of the franchise. At this point, that search is for external candidates. We don't have a defined timeline, and that is we care more about the person than exactly what it happens. If it works out and takes a small number of months, that's great. If it takes a big longer than that, we'll wait for the right person, as opposed to say that person has to show up at a particular time. Whoever that GM is will build on the incredible legacy that Doug has built over the last 19 years. Clearly, we want to get back to repeatable playoff hockey. That's the goal of this franchise. That's what we always want to do. Um, you've seen over this season. We have some world-class players and some incredible talent in this organization, but openly we do need a few more pieces, which will be part of both Joe's job and the GM as well. Um, and so I'd like to end sort of where I started, which is we thank Doug for his incredible mark on this organization, both on the ice and off the ice. Really, it's been second to none. And I view him as a close friend, as a class act and an amazing hockey executive and uh, sad day, but Glad to be able to celebrate it as well. And Joe Will shared his sentiments as well. You know, it's really, uh, it's an emotional, it's a reflective day. Uh, I've spent, I've known Doug for over 30 years, back to when he was a player, and uh, 19 uh, years as being his number two here in San Jose. And I'm extremely grateful to everything that he's put in place here, for me personally, but more importantly for the organization. I want to touch about three things that, that Doug has put into place for the organization that uh, it, have been really notable to me. And, uh, you know, the first is the re resiliency that he's had over the past 19 years that this group has had. When he came in in 2003, came off of missing the playoffs that year. And in the first year, we went straight to the conference finals against Calgary. Uh, another piece of resiliency was after missing the playoffs in 14, after many years, or in 15, I'm sorry, came back and went to the Stanley Cup Finals the next year in 16, and culminated by, in 18-19, you know, the run against Vegas and, uh, and then following that up against uh, Colorado. So a lot of this group has been through resiliency together, and, and Doug put that together through the culture that he has, has in place and the competitive players and atmosphere that he's created. Uh, you know, secondly, the expectation of winning that we have here um, in his 19 years, it's a remarkable feat. We've been through 30 playoff rounds. You know, you look at all the teams out there that, that after, you know, 10 years, they're, they're playing in one round and how, how big of a deal that is. We've been in 30 over 19 years. And that's part of what Doug has put together and part of the culture here and something that that has been instilled in this group. And we want to take and move forward. And lastly is, is, you know, 
and this is kind of on a personal note, uh, as far as talking about Doug is, is the culture he's created here of you know, not only competitive culture, but a human culture, a culture of balance with family, health, and, uh, and hockey. And ironically, right now, you know, that's the forefront of his life with, with just uh, taking care of his health. I can tell you after talking with him, he's making progress. And you know what? He will be back in the National Hockey League, but it'll be on his schedule uh, just after he gets fully healthy. You know, Doug uh, is, is looking forward to that, and that, that is going to happen. Uh, from me personally, I, I just want to thank him as, as you know, being my boss for all these years. Um, he's been very empowering of people. You know, Doug's philosophy is just give people the tools to succeed. So I just personally want to thank him for that. Uh, you know, I've, I've been able to grow in my career uh, based on him doing that and, and the relationships he has with the, the uh, players and the staff and many of you personally, uh, many fans here is, is second to none. And, you know, just, uh, Again, it's a day to reflect, it's data to thank Doug with that. I, I do also want to share that I, I know for a fact, you know, we're going to be in great hands, you know, moving forward. It, this is an opportunity as well. It's an opportunity within this, you know, um, we've already, the organization has already put it in place that, you know, our, our foot's on the gas here. Our, our intention is to win. Uh, we're a competitive team. We have the guys in the room to do it, and and we're pushing forward, not to take any steps back or say it's a, it's a whatever year plan or whatever on here. No, it's it's to, it's to go and 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 win, and uh, and that's what we intend on doing. And that's uh, you know what the candidates that come forward is, is we will we will look at them based based on that, how they come into the organization and, uh, you know, they're going to have a vision. They're going to have a lot of great things to offer within there, but it's, uh, you know, moving forward with this philosophy to, uh, uh, you know, to, to win hockey games, get to the playoffs and, 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 uh, uh, and take this franchise to the, to the next level. So um, just want to, Again, thank Doug and uh, thank the organization. One of the immediate questions that came up was, how does the search for the new GM work when juxtaposed with the Sharks' vision of not wanting to do a long-term rebuild, not wanting to tear everything down, but to build around the core pieces they have to get back into contention as quickly as possible? First, you will hear from Joe Will, then you will hear from Jonathan Becker. I believe, and, and Jonathan uh, can share as well, is is that the the GM's going to have a lot of leeway to, uh, you know, move forward with their with their vision. Having said that, is the organization's vision that's been put in place is, is that we have a, a number of quality players here, and we have, uh, and they've done it. You know, they've done it by the playoff rounds that we've we've been in, and uh, uh, and what we're trying to do, as as you've seen, is is really just uh, uh, add to that group as we can through the draft, through developing. You know, this was a year that uh, um, I think we set the franchise record for number of rookies played, number of rookie games. You know, we're up there as far as uh, in in NHL uh, uh, lists and things like that for for what we did this year. So, so what we're trying to do is that, trying to, you know, uh, advance, uh, keep our draft picks, uh, you know, keep our prospect pool, keep it growing, you know, just uh, as much as we can through there to, to every avenue possible to, to add to this team because we believe we have the, the bones of a good team. Let me just add to that. So, I mean, obviously one of the reasons we're looking externally is we will get new ideas, we'll hear new, so we're not necessarily going to do things exactly the same way. By definition, a new GM will have new ideas, but certain things are core to who we are a franchise. We're a cap team. We're going to spend to the cap not to the bottom. We're focused on making the playoffs every single year and competing for the cup, not 
tanking for picks. We're going to keep our picks, grow the prospect pool, get younger. So those fundamental things you've heard us say over the last year remain true. The language was that the team was looking at external candidates. Well, I, I think the focus right now, again, is with external candidates. You know, it's it's the right way to do the process. Why wouldn't we do that? It's a, the best league in the world. You know, we would out, be out looking for the best players, best coaches, the best managers. Uh, I think we need to do that, be transparent in that process, uh, take a look at candidates, uh, whether it be, um, you know, former GMs, uh, whether it be up and coming AGMs, uh, league personnel, player agents, international hockey and the like. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good hockey people out there. And and why wouldn't we do that? And that's that's one of the things we're going to do first. At the end of the day, when it comes down to, you know, deciding that uh, we'll see, we'll see where this goes. But I I have no doubt there's going to be some some very good candidates out there. And at that point in time, it'll be you know sifting through that. And who, who's really the best fit to mesh with their needs here in San Jose? This was followed up somewhat humorously by both Becker and Will insisting that Will was staying with the franchise. Yeah, I, I yes. definitely would like to. So, <laughs> so that's, I'll answer on your behalf if you <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, 32 years. And I, I'd like to think, uh, you know, yes. it's, it's, okay. Yeah, institutional knowledge and, and just, just being here, I, you know, I just hope I can, can help, uh, you know, in, in, in different ways here. So I, I've been in a variety of roles here and, uh, and, and here to help. So let's be clear, Curtis, in case the question is, uh, looking externally is not a lack of faith in Joe by any stretch of the imagination. We have tons of faith in Joe. The next important topic that was broached was kind of how this process is going to work. You'll hear from Jonathan Becker and Joe Will. We don't want to rush the process because I told you we're not. So we'll have an initial conversation, sketch out the general ideas of should we wait, experience GMs more than up and comers? How about people with no experience whatsoever? Obviously, that would require a different support structure than someone who's done this two or three times before. So we, I think we want to create profiles of the kind of person and weight, how those would impact the organization, et cetera. Um, you know, will we do that in one session? Probably not. That takes a couple of sessions. We want to get Hasso involved, et cetera. And then we'll sort of say, well, how do people fit in that? You don't really know exactly who's going to be available. Some people aren't available until maybe later in the season. Others might be available now. So, you know. My suspicion is it'll be a couple of weeks before we have a general sense of who we're looking for, but I, I don't think we'll be naming names anytime soon. Just getting back to a, you know, we are, we talk about structure all the time and talking about openness for different candidates and, and, and where they come from and, and backgrounds is, is we're open. Uh, we're open to everything and, and, you know, getting the best candidate, we don't know what field they're going to be heavy in, where, where they're going to be leveraged. They might be a strategist. They might be somebody leveraged in, in player acquisition. They might be somebody, their, their core competency is coaching and player development. And what, you know, our plan with that is to work with them. If, you know, very few people are, are where their greatest assets are across every span, but uh, it'll be in a few of the areas. So if it's a strategists maybe in, in cap and contract work, then then you really need to, you know, make sure that they have some really good support in the areas of player development, or if there's somebody in player acquisition, that they have a, a strategist. So it, it's really not just the person themselves, but the, the team and the vision that they, you know, building a great leadership team. In terms of a timeline, nothing definitive was given, but my takeaway was that it could be a while and the Sharks plan on doing a very extensive search. The bigger takeaway, though, is that Wilson is impossible to replace in terms of what he has meant to the franchise as a player and as a general manager. 
Despite all the success that Wilson had, you're asking the next GM to have even more. Putting the correct person in this rare position is not something that should be easy or fast. It should be drawn out, extensive, and detail-oriented, which is what I imagine it will be. For today, we celebrate Doug Wilson and wish him nothing but the best in focusing on his health for his sake and for that of his family. For all that we discussed today about hockey, the greater issue is that Doug is able to focus on that health and get back to work when he is able to again. That's all we have for now, but stay tuned to the Sharks Audio Network for the latest on the Sharks and their search for a new general manager as it evolves. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey, signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app. Presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend. 